Well, again, welcome to church this morning. And if you're brand new, you're hanging out with us today for the first time or you're watching online for the first time, come on one more time. Give it up for all of our first time guests. You're so welcome today. We're so honored. Uh, so glad you're hanging out with us. And before we get into the word of God today, let me just uh, give you a quick announcement. You've heard about it, but really, I want you to, to lean into it, man, because in two weeks from today, we are just amped up because our series in November that's kicking off in two weeks is At The Movies, man. We cannot wait for At The Movies. If you've been here for the last few years, this is something we do every year. I believe it's so powerful. I believe it's one of the most evangelistic things that we do is our At The Movies series. And basically, we just do what Jesus did in his ministry. Jesus took modern day stories called parables and he used them to convey spiritual truth. And today in the modern day, the 21st century, we know that movies are that, that medium that tells stories. And so we, we're taking and leveraging movies that, are, that have been a high impact in culture and using them to convey spiritual truth. Listen, we're gonna have free popcorn in the house, free sodas for everybody. It's gonna be fun. Some of you are like, what? That's right, you can have fun in God's house. How many believe that God just wants his kids to have fun in his house? Amen. I don't know. He's having fun. He's having fun. If you ain't having fun, why come, right? So we're going to have a great time. I want to encourage you to invite, 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 invite your friends two Sundays from now. It kicks off. You don't want to miss it. We got, some, we got four films that are just, I think, are going to really move your heart. I think they're going to speak to your heart in a very, very powerful way. Well, I want to welcome you to our series, Make It Count. Everybody say, Make It Count. We're talking about your life. I really feel like in the middle of the last eight months that we've been in, and all the chaos that has been going on, what I found with talking with a lot of people is how small people's lives are beginning to feel. With all the instabilities and the fears and all the things that are in our culture, more people I talk to when I really get below the surface, you begin to hear the undertones of, I don't even know if my life counts. I don't even know if I, if, if I mean anything. I don't even know, I don't even know, if, what am I doing here? Why, you know, what is the point? All of this mess, and I'm here to tell you this morning that as long as you got a heartbeat and breath in your lungs, your life counts to God. It counts to God, but guess what? It's your choice to make it count. You have to choose to make your life count. So we launched into the series last Sunday and kind of doing a foundational teaching I did last week. If you missed it, you can go online and watch that. It's on demand, you can catch it. But today I wanna build on last Sunday in part two of this. And if you got a note sheet, get it out and get ready because we're about to get into God's word. If you're online, the, the host should have already put a link in there uh, for the note sheet. Grab it and lean into the word of God today because I wanna talk to you about investment today. Everybody say investment. In the last few years, we've watched in America, our stock, mar our stock market has experienced a, just a massive historic boom over the majority of these last few years. In fact, there are certain stocks and certain companies right now where you can invest your money and literally get 120% return. There are stocks and investments right now that you, if you had invested early in them, you'd have gotten a 250% return. Some of them a 370% return on the early investment. Some of you are thinking, man, I got the wrong broker. I don't know what's going on right now. But that's what investing is all about. It's all about the ROI. It's all about return on investment. But today, I don't, I don't wanna talk to you about financial investments. I wanna talk to you about something far more important than that, and that is your life. Everybody say, my life. 
because you can do three things with your life. You can waste your life, and there are many ways that you can do that. You can spend your life, and the advertisers will give you many ways that you can do that, or you can invest your life. And to invest your life means that you use it in a way that outlasts it, to make a difference for eternity, to leave a legacy with your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two and verse 10, look what scripture says. It says, for we are God's workmanship, watch this, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now watch this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you know that before you were born, God had an assignment on your life? Before you even came into this earth, he had a purpose for you to fulfill. The Bible is very clear. You were created to make a contribution. You were not put on this earth just to be a consumer. You were put on this earth to be a contributor. And that contribution that you make with your life, your talents and, and your abilities, the Bible calls that your ministry. You see, we, we often tend to think of ministry as what pastors do. But you need to know, ministry is for every Christ follower. When you take your talents and you take your abilities or, or whatever you're good at and when you use it to help other people unselfishly, God says that contribution of your life is called your ministry. And Jesus says that one day we're gonna give an account to God for how we lived our lives. We're gonna give an account to God for how we invested our life. Come on, somebody shout, make it count. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a story on how to prepare for that final exam of life when God evaluates how well you invested your life. And today I wanna give you seven principles about life investment from this story. Are you ready? Say yes. In your note sheet, number one principle of investing your life, you better get this one. This is number numero uno right here, and that is the principle of ownership. And the principle of ownership says that everything I have belongs to God. How many believe that God made it all and God owns it all? It was here before you got here and it's gonna be here long after you die. See, a lot of times that we, we think that we own our things, but it, we don't really own anything. God owns everything. You just get to borrow it for 60 years, 70, 80, 90 years, and then you have to return it. The fact is, you brought nothing into this world when you were born, and you ain't taking nothing out of this world when you leave. You have never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Come on, somebody. So everything you have, cars, homes, ambitions, everything you've got really is just on loan to you for the time that you have in this earth. The Bible tells us that God made human beings to manage his resources on the earth. That's why we're here. We're here to manage his resources. The nice thing about that is while we're managing it, we also get to use it. We also get to benefit from it. But we must never forget we don't own it. Come on, touch your neighbor and tell them you don't own nothing. You don't, it ain't yours, right? Let's just say this. Let's just say that you had a beach house and one day you came to me and you said, Jason, listen, I'm going, on, I'm going on a trip for about three months. I'd like for you to come and stay at my beach house. I got a beautiful view of the ocean and I'd like somebody just to take care of it while I'm gone. And while I'm gone, all I want you to do is I want you to do three things. I want you to water the plants. I want you to feed the puppy and pick up the mail. Just kind of manage the house while I'm gone. And, but you can also use it and enjoy it while I'm gone too. Let me tell you right now, I'm gonna say, thank you, Jesus, amen. 
And so you go away on your trip. And three months later, you come back and you're ready to move back in your beach house, but I ain't ready to move out. So I said, oh, no, no, see, I happen to like my bed. I, I, I like my bed now. I like to park my car in my garage now. And I like the view now from my living room window. How many of you know that would be quite presumptuous for me to act like the owner when you just loaned it to me for a little bit of time? But wait, 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 because we do this all the time with everything we've got. We act like it's my car. It's my career, it's my family, it's my money, it's my home, and on and on and on. When in reality, it all belongs to God. It's just on loan while you're here in this earth. Jesus actually highlights this principle in this story he tells of the talents in Matthew 25 and verse 14. He says this, he said again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, watch this, and entrusted his property to them. Notice he says it's his property. It's not the servant's property, it's his property. When you learn to accept this fact and this truth that everything you have belongs to God, not you, listen, you're gonna live with a whole lot less stress, right? Your stress is going to, your worry will rapidly reduce. Why? Because you don't worry about stuff that ain't yours. When you get a ding in your car, you worry about it. But do you worry about the ding in your neighbor's car? No. When somebody else is having problems and their clothes don't fit, you don't care, you don't worry about that. You just worry about that your clothes fit. Come on, can I get an amen somebody, right? So if you realize that this is all God's anyway, that he just gave it to me, and I can, I can, he, he can take it back whenever he wants. In fact, he can replace it too. Then you worry a whole lot less because you're not trying to preserve your stuff. You're just trying to be a good steward of his stuff. So it's the principle of ownership. Are you with me? Here's the second principle about investing your life. Write this down. It's the principle of allocation. And the principle of allocation simply means that God has given me some unique talents. He's given me some unique talents. In fact, the word talents in the English language comes from this very story in Matthew 25. Understand, in the Bible, a talent was an amount of money. Specifically in this story, one talent was about $1,000 of today's money. So this master that Jesus talked about in Matthew 25, he has doled out multiple talents to different people. It was a sizable investment in the days of Jesus. Today, however, a talent simply means your natural ability. It means the gifts that God's given to me. Some of you have musical talents. Some of you have mathematical talents. I don't have that one, I'm sorry. Some of you have mechanical talents or business talents. You have leadership talents or administrative talents. Some of you are good at working with animals. Some of you are good at writing. Some of you are good at speaking or maybe cooking or maybe hospitality. You're good at something. Scientists have discovered there are anywhere between six and 800 different human talents. You probably have at least 200 different talents. The problem is you don't recognize them because they come natural to you, but they're not natural to other people. You ever had somebody compliment you and say, man, how did you do that? And to you, it was nothing. Like, what do you mean? It was no big deal. So I, you know what? I, I, I pinched pressed 780 pounds. So what? <laughs> so I just, it just comes natural to me. I don't, it doesn't come natural to you. I'm sorry, Right? Some of you, I haven't done that. Some of you can, can naturally 
organize things. You're a natural organizer, man. That's a talent that you have. Some of you don't have that talent. Some of you are very disorganized. Some of you think that your disorganization is organized. Come on, if that's you, raise your hand right now. See, some of you can't even raise your hand because you don't even know which one to put up. You're just disorganized. You don't even know, right? Some of you, some of you know how to make things very neat and very orderly very quickly. Some of you would take you all day to make a room neat and orderly. You don't have that talent. Many times, you don't recognize the talents that you have. Look at verse 15 of this chapter. It says, to one, he gave five talents of money. To another servant, he gave two talents of money. And to another, one talent, watch this, each according to his ability. So first, notice that the amount differs with every individual. Somebody gets one talent, somebody gets two, somebody gets five. See, we've been taught all of our lives that all men are created equal. And that's true. We are created equal in our value to God and in our worth as human beings. But we are not created equal in our talents. And we're certainly not created equal in the opportunities and the freedoms that we have. Think about it. By the very fact that you live in America, you are already miles ahead of the rest of the world. You've been given some privileges and some abilities and freedoms and opportunities that the rest of the world doesn't have, and most of the world would die for the opportunity that you have right now in this country. you got a leg up on civilization. Now, you didn't ask for that. You didn't deserve it. And you certainly didn't earn it. It's simply a gift that God gave you, an ability. that Anybody grateful for the gift we have of just living in this country right now? As messed up as it can be sometimes. So notice, everybody gets something. But the talents differ. Some people are one talent people. Some people are five talent, 10 talent, 20 talents, whatever. But everybody gets something. There are no zero talent people. The only zero talent people there are are the ones that are in the cemetery right now. You say, well, I don't have any talents. Yes, you do. You just haven't uncovered them yet. Romans 12 and verse six, the Bible says, we have different gifts. Help me out, everybody. According to the what? The grace that's given. to. Notice it says that our gifts are a grace. So a talent is something that you don't deserve. You, you can't brag about it because you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You might develop it, but it's simply a gift, a grace gift from God. Aren't you glad that God gave you in his grace? He gave you some gifts and some talents. So, so in, when it comes to investing your life and making it count, the, there's principles that we have to understand. And one is the principle of ownership. The other one's the principle of allocation. And here's the third principle of investing your life. It's the principle of accountability. The principle of accountability means that God expects me to use my talent. He gave them to us for a purpose. He wants us to make the most of the abilities that he's given to us. It's as if God looks at us and says, I'm going to make an investment in their life. Just like you would uh, look for a financial investment and then think, oh wow, Here's something that is worth investing my hard-earned money. You need to know that God looked at you. Oh, this is so good. He looked at you and he said, you are worth investing something in. You're worthy of it. 
When you make an investment of any kind, what do you do? You sit back and you, and you excitedly watch for the return on that investment. Because you know God does the same thing. He invests in our lives and then he watches with great anticipation what you're going to do with it. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, scripture says each of us will give an account of himself to God. Every day we get to choose how we're going to live our lives. Every one of us, we get to make the choice. But there's coming a day, my friend, you better hear me. There's coming a day in all of our lives when we will stand before God and we're gonna explain to God the choices that we've made about how we lived our lives. Jesus reminds us of this in this story. In verse 19, he says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned. Watch this. He returned and settled the accounts. He settled the account. Someday, guess what? We're gonna be audited by God. We're gonna be audited for how we lived our life. You think you're nervous about an audit from the IRS? What do you think about being audited by God? It's a scary kind of an audit to think about. And it's our job here at Vibrant Church to help you get ready for that final exam of life. When you have a final exam, isn't it nice to know the questions in advance? When you get a final exam. And so today, I'm gonna give you the question in advance. I'm gonna give it to you. So this is gonna be an easy, easy final exam if you get what I'm gonna tell you. Once you've settled the question of your relationship with Christ, which is the most, which is the most important question in life, that you've trusted your life to him, you've trusted your eternity to him, the final exam question you will answer when you stand before God one day is this one right here. One day God will ask me, what did you do with what you were given? That's the final question right there. What did you do with what you were given? And our goal here at Vibrant Church is to prepare you to answer that question so you can stand before God and say, I used the talents that you gave me in a way that served others and made a difference and helped other people. I used what you gave me in a way that made an impact on our world for your glory. I took what you gave me as little as it may have been and I multiplied it and I'm returning it back to you for your glory. Y'all still with me? So there's this, this principle in life investment. There's the principle of ownership. There's a principle of allocation. There's the principle of accountability. Here's number four. The fourth principle is the principle of utilization. This means that it's wrong for me to bury what God gave me. It's wrong for me to take what God's given and not use it for him. In this story, Here's what Jesus said about these three servants that the master gave out talents to. Watch what he says. He says, the first man doubled his talents in verse 16. So he took what was given, he doubled it. How many of you know that's good right there, right? Then the second man, he doubled his talents too in verse 17. But write this down because the story shows that the third man buried his talent in the sand. He took what was given in verse 18, and he buried it. He buried it. He said, I'm just gonna play it safe. He took them and he hid them. He was, he was cautious. He was afraid. He said, I'm just gonna play it safe. He was, he was kind of that nothing ventured, nothing gained kind of a guy, right? So he sat on it and looked at the master's reaction to him in verse 26. 
He said, you wicked and lazy servant. You think he was a little upset? He looked at the servant and said, you are lazy and you are wicked. Look what he said in verse 27. He said, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back at least with interest. You see, most of us, when we hear the word wicked, we think of murder or rape or abuse. But look what God calls wicked in this story. He says, don't miss this. He says, it's wicked not to use the talent that you were given to make a difference in this world, to never make a contribution, to bury it, to put it out of sight and pretend that it's not there. God said, that is wicked. He said, that's lazy. Now, there's a couple of insights to this part of the story that I want to give you. First of all, you can't please God by playing it safe. To use your talent, listen, you're going to have to take some risk. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And to take my talent and do nothing with it because I'm afraid to risk it in any way is completely inexcusable. The second insight of this part of the story is that God would rather have you try to serve him and fail and fall flat on your face than to do nothing at all. He, listen to me. He called the servant wicked. Don't miss this. Not because he lost the money, but because he was afraid to do anything with the money. Some of you, you look at your life and, and you, you have no joy in your life. There's no spark. There's no enthusiasm, man, there's, that you really want to have. Why? One of the reasons is, is because we start to play it safe. We start to sit on the sidelines of life and become spectators, and we're afraid to contribute, not using our talents the way God intended, living for ourselves and not engaged in serving other people around us. The truth of the matter is, we're bored with life. Come on, it's time to get back in the game, man. It's time to move into ministry. That's where real fulfillment comes from. It's when you're living your life beyond yourself for the difference in other people. Think about it. What is it that sometimes, I, I wonder this sometimes, why, why do we find ourselves sitting on the sidelines of life? Why do we oftentimes find ourselves sitting on the sidelines of life? That's the next principle, and it's principle number five, and that's the principle of motivation. Because fear keeps me from using my talent. Somebody shout fear. Fear keeps me from using my talent. In fact, in verse 25, here's what the servant replied to the master. He said, I was, help me out everybody. He said, I was what? Afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. Now, in your note sheet, here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle this word afraid. Come on, do it right now. Circle the word afraid and circle this word hid, and I want you to draw a line connecting the both of them because they always go together. What keeps you from developing your full potential? Fear. What keeps you from becoming all God wants you to be? Fear. What keeps you from, from leaving a legacy with your life that will last into eternity? Fear. I believe there are three kinds of fear that will keep you from developing your talent. Anybody interested in what they are? I'm gonna give them to you anyway. Here we go. Three types of fear that keeps you from developing and using your talents. The first fear is self-doubt. Self-doubt. This is the fear that keeps most people locked in a prison and keeps them from developing their full potential. They say, well, I could never do that. 
well, I'm just not qualified. And you have these doubts about your talent. Honestly, what it is, it is the fear of failure that says, I'm afraid. And if I try to use my talent, then I'm gonna fail. And then I'm gonna be embarrassed and humiliated. Do you remember when you were in school and the teacher would ask a question and you would want to raise your hand, but you were afraid that if you did, you would get it wrong and be embarrassed and so you just wouldn't do anything. Here's what I've learned in life. Listen to me. Failure is not fatal. Failure is never fatal. In fact, the fear of failure is far worse than failure itself. The fear of failure limits you, but failure itself is actually a good thing. Because failure is how you learn what doesn't work. I could tell you, I could write a book right now on 1,481 ways not to build a church. Because I've made the mistakes. I've, I've, I've messed up, I've made mistakes. I've, I've made wrong decisions and had to, well, that didn't work, let's try this. And just trying to seek God and trying to do what he wants us. But look at the faithfulness of God. Look how he uses our failures and grows us to our potential. Right? The only way you're ever gonna become a success in life is through your failure, not through, you know, you don't learn anything from success. Success is great to celebrate. You don't learn nothing from success. You, how many of you know you learn from your failures? Through failure, you find out what doesn't work. I've failed thousands and thousands of times in life, and so have you. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. It's an education of your life. If you're not failing, it means you're not trying anything new. People who don't ever try anything new are boring. It's the same thing over and over again. They go to the same place for vacation every year. Do the same thing while they're there eat at the same restaurant there and order the same meal for 22 years. They wear the same clothes, the same thing, same stuff, right? You're not trying anything new. If you're not failing, you're not trying anything new. And if you're not trying anything new, then you're not growing. The only way you grow is through failure. So listen up, listen up, everybody. Right now. As your pastor today, I am telling you, I'm giving you permission this coming week, I want you to go out and fail. Yeah. Some of you already did this morning. You beat the kids on the way to church. You're crying right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I knew I was a failure. I want you to go out and fail. I want you to make a really big failure this week. I want you to fail as a parent. I want you to fail as a spouse, fail as a professional. I want you to fail as a friend this week because I promise you the next week you're gonna be a better parent, a better spouse, a better professional, and a better friend. It's learning through failure. Don't let self-doubt keep you down? I don't know about you, but I'd rather attempt to do something great and fail than attempt to do nothing and succeed. Oh, that's good preaching. That's a tweetable moment right there. Here's the second, here's the second fear. Not only self-doubt, but there's also self-consciousness. It's a fear that will keep you from developing your talent. Let's say you're good at hospitality, but you become self-conscious about it. You're good at singing, but you become self-conscious about it. Really, 
behind that fear is worrying, what will other people think? Listen to me. If you worry about what other people think in life, you might as well go ahead and, and, and dig your grave right now and get in it and cover yourself up because you're already dead. You're going to learn soon in life that you can't please everybody. You can't worry about what everybody else thinks. Who cares? Here's what Proverbs 29, well, that's kind of brash, pass, oh, hush. Here's what Proverbs 29 and verse 25 says. The fear of man is a snare. It's a snare. It's a trap. It's what keeps you from developing because you wonder, what are other people going to think if I do that? I'm telling you, it's a guarantee. The moment you attempt anything in life, somebody's going to criticize it. You ever put a bunch of crabs in a basket? Watch, do, do it sometime. Well, not that we have crabs here, but go YouTube it. You put crabs in a basket, here's what happens. The minute one of them starts to crawl out, the other ones will grab it by its little leg and pull it right back down the basket. It's like, well, if I can't be free, you can't be free. If I can't have nothing, you can't have nothing. If I can't get married, you can't get married. If I can't get the promotion, you can't get the promotion. Get out of that basket. I feel good today. My God. Every time we try to do anything great as a church here at Vibrant, there's always been some critics. Always critics. And you know why? Because they ain't doing nothing with their life. And we decided to build this building to make more room for people in our city to come and experience it. All the critics came out. Who do they think they are building a church like that here? Shut up. <laughs> Just because you don't love people. Sour self. The moment we decided as a church to consistently do outreaches in broken places of our city. Oh, you wouldn't believe the critics that came out and said, who do they think they are invading our community like that? I'll tell you who we are. We're people who believe that the church is not about what happens in these four walls. It's about what happens out there in the community. You know why they criticize it? Because they ain't doing nothing for the community. How dare you minister to poor people? How dare you love people that are unlovable? How dare you reach out to broken people and try to be the hands and feet of Jesus? I'm not doing it, so you can't do it. Crab. It's a crabby cell. The moment our church started growing diverse, oh, don't get me started. We prayed over that. I got tired of it. I don't believe heaven looks like a white church or a black church. I believe heaven should look like Walmart. That's where everybody's at. You want to know what heaven, you know what the church should look like? Go to Walmart. Hey, pastor, if you're watching online right now and your church don't look like Walmart, you need to start evaluating what you're doing. Oh, you wouldn't believe. The minute, the minute our church started growing diverse, we heard it from both camps. We heard it from both camps. We had white people offended and black people were offended and both people started criticizing their own friends. You wouldn't believe how many people I talked to. I still get it to this day. Oh, I'm just going there. Can I just go here? I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna do it anyway. 
You know how many people, you know how many white people we've had in our church family come to me in tears and say, man, you wouldn't believe the garbage I'm catching at work right now because we have black families coming to our church. I've had black people, great families in our church that have come to me in tears and say, you would not believe since we became members here that the garbage that we're catching from friends and the lies that we're being told about coming to the, man, we don't want our children growing up in an all white church or an all black. We want our kids growing up in a, in a church of color. Listen, if you worry about what people are gonna think, nothing's ever gonna get done in your life. All you need to be worried about doing is what God tells you to do. That's all you're accountable for. You're not accountable to please everybody. You can't please them anyway because the minute you please them in one thing, they're gonna be mad at something else. That's not the goal of your life. Your goal is to do whatever God tells you to do. Don't get self-conscious about it. The fact is, listen, we often excuse ourselves by pointing at other people and saying, well, she's got more talent. And if I had her talent, of course I'd become a great person. Or if I could close deals like he does, or if I could do sales like she does, or if I had the leadership ability that he does, oh, then I could be something significant with my life. Listen, just because you can't be a superstar doesn't excuse you from doing nothing. Just because you can't be the best at what you're talented at doesn't allow you to sit by and be a spectator and a passive watcher of life rather than being a participator and a contributor. If you only got one talent, of course you got more than that, but if you've only got one talent that God's given you, man, you better use it to its max potential. You better wear it out. Wear it out. You're not called to be the best in the world. You're called to be the best at what God made you to be. Oh, this feels good today. The third fear, and, and this is, I think, the greatest fear. Are y'all still with me? Yeah. Greatest fear of all, I believe, is self-pity. Self-pity. Somebody say self-pity. Self-pity is, well, I failed in the past. I'm afraid I'm going to fail again. So I'm just ain't even going to try. Some of you have allowed your past to keep you from being used by God today. You think, well, I, man, I can never be used by God like that. You don't know my past. I've had some major failures. I may have had a moral failure. I've had relational failures. I've had financial failures. Welcome to the human race. I've had all these failures in my past. I've really blown it in life, so I know for sure I'm on God's B team, okay? I'm on God's C team. No way he could use me on the A team. If that's what you think, you are dead wrong. You're just having a pity party because God never said that in his word. God never said you can't be used because of your past. In fact, two of Jesus' disciples were spectacular failures. I mean, I mean pro, like not, not even collegiate level, like pro level failures. One was Peter and one was Judas. And as much as we like to bag on Judas all the time, let me tell you something, they both committed the exact same sin. They both denied Jesus in the crunch, both of them did. 
When it was clutch time, right before the crucifixion, both of them did the exact same thing. They betrayed Jesus and they denied Jesus, but they responded to their failure in two very different ways. Judas went out and had a pity party and he hung himself. He committed suicide and that was the end of his life. The Bible says Peter, on the other hand, he went out and he wept bitterly and he grieved about it and he repented and he asked God to forgive him and asked God to, and he picked himself up and he dusted himself off and he went back to serving God. Peter, I like Peter. Peter, the man who denied Jesus three times was the same guy out of all the disciples that Jesus decided to choose 40 days later to speak to the whole city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came to know Jesus and the church was born. Don't miss this. Of all the people God could have used to start his church in Acts, he used the guy with the biggest failure. I don't know about you, but I like that. You know what that means? It means that there's room for me in the family of God. It means there's room for you in the family. I'm telling you, God loves to use failures. Moses was a murderer and God used him. David was an adulterer and God used him. Rahab was a prostitute and God used her. Jacob was a massive business failure and God used him. Gideon was a coward and God used him. Most people wouldn't even give them people a time of day, but God took every one of their failures and picked them up and cleaned them off and used them for his glory. You know why? Because God specializes in using imperfect people. How many of you know you're not perfect? Hands up if you know, if your hand's down, that you're the one I'm talking to. <laughs> you, know, you ain't perfect. Listen, if God only used perfect people, what would get done in this world? Nothing. Because there are no perfect people. God uses people with hangups. God uses people with checkered past. God uses people who have insecurities. God uses people who don't have it all together. In fact, let me just show you something. Because some of you need to hear this. In my hand is a brand new, crisp $100 bill. Somebody got the anointing right there. Hallelujah. Yes. $100 bill. It's not been, nothing wrong with it. It's not been creased up. It's not been, how many, how many of you would want this $100 bill? Right now, raise your hand. Okay. Put them down. Now, what if I, wadded it up and crumpled it up like this and just made it just really just ugly looking. Now, all these creases and nastiness in it. How many of you would still want this $100 bill? You sure? It don't look like it is getting, it don't look like much now. It's been kind of beat up. What if I put it on the floor and what if I just stomped on it and kicked it around and smeared its face in the ground and put some dirt on it? How many of you, how many of you would still want this $100 bill? 
Don't miss this right now because sometimes in life we get dropped, we get stomped on, we get smeared into the ground, we get dirty from our own stupid choices, we get messed up in life. We don't have to do anything about it. We know that we're not, not up to the standard, but I feel like encouraging somebody this morning, you have not lost your value. Oh, come on, in God's eyes, you're still priceless. Come on, in God's eyes, you're still valuable. You got a little dirt on you, but you still got value. You've been kicked around a little bit, but you still got value. You've been smeared all over the earth, but you, they walked out on you, but you still got value. When are you gonna stop making excuses for why can't God can't use you? Your value hasn't changed at all. It doesn't matter if you're, it doesn't matter if you're crumpled up or if you're nice and crisp. It doesn't matter if you've gotten dirty or whether you're just really clean. God can straighten you out and he can clean you up whether you're clean or not. Why? Because your value is still the same. Come on, stop having a pity party about your past and start letting God use you in the present and develop your talent because one day you're gonna give an account for the way that you invested your life. Come on, it doesn't matter where you've been. All that matters is the direction that your feet are pointed in today. And that's your choice. Everybody say, it's my choice. And, and going back to this story in Matthew 25, in verse 24, look what Jesus said. Jesus said, the man who had received one talent came and said, Master, I, watch this, I knew that you were a hard man. Harvesting where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. Notice now he's blaming his boss. He's, he's justifying himself. He's saying, it's your fault, sir, that I failed. It's your fault because you're a hard man. And I knew that you were a hard man. So I hid it in the ground. It's your fault. The reason I failed is because you are so unreasonable as a boss. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who are you blaming for your lack of serving God? Who are you blaming for your unhappiness? Who are you blaming for not being in the center of God's will? Well, if I had just married somebody else, I could have been a great Christian. Well, if I had just not gotten married... I'd really have gone far in this world. If I had had different parents, I really would have made something of myself. If I hadn't gone through that divorce, if I, if I had a different brother or sister, if I'd had different children than the ones I got right now, then maybe I'd have made something with my life. Quit blaming other people. You're as close to God as you choose to be. No more, no less. You're as spiritual as you want to be. You can't blame anybody else for it. If you're close to God, it's because you've chosen to be close to God. If you're far from him, it's because you have moved. He hasn't. Stop blaming other people. It's fear that always causes me to make excuses for why I haven't done more with my life. It's fear. Everybody say it's fear. It's fear that causes me to blame other people for the problems in my life and why I can't do more than what I'm doing right now with my life. I've learned this from experience in my life. I've learned all this. Watch this. Here's what, here's what I've learned Satan will do. Satan will most likely attach a fear to your greatest talent because he doesn't want you using it for God's glory. 
And so you're good at singing, and he'll come along and say, you can't do that. So if you're good at planning, he'll come come into your ears, oh, well, you couldn't do that, and on and on and on. Believe it or not, believe it or not, one of my biggest fears as a young man was public speaking. I know. (laughs) Believe it or not, I was terrified Completely terrified of that. I'm not kidding. I was terrified. Now, what would have happened had I, not, had I given in to my fears? There would be no vibrant church. Many people would be on their way to hell right now. Many people would never have been blessed by God. You must move against your fear. You must do the thing that you fear the most. Satan wants to keep you from using your talent and making that contribution that God puts you on this earth to fulfill. And if you don't do it, you're gonna give an account to God one day why that fear kept you in the box that you're in. You must move against your fear and make a contribution serving others with the talent that God's given you. Are you with me so far? So in this thing about investing your life and making it count, there's the principle of ownership and allocation, and accountability, and utilization, and the principle of motivation. Let me give you number six, and we'll move quickly. Number six is the principle of application. And that simply means if I don't use it, I lose it. Everybody say, if I don't use it, I lose it. Look what in verse 28, let's go back to the story. In verse 28, look what the master did when the servant buried his stuff and didn't invest it, didn't do anything with it. The master said, who, who Jesus was using as a representation of God, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Because they've proven they know what they're doing. They've proven they know what to do with what I've, I've given them. Have you ever noticed this in life, that the people who are more talented seem to get more talented? And people who don't really have a whole lot going for them seem to oftentimes get less That doesn't sound too fair. Why is it that sometimes the person who's only got one talent all of a sudden doesn't have any talent? I'll tell you why. Because they didn't use the one that God gave them. It's a universal principle. Understand this. God has the right to take away anything in your life that you don't invest for him and don't use for his glory. Did you hear what I just said? Why should he let you have it? It's a universal principle. Everybody say use it or lose it. It's true with muscles. If if I don't use my muscles, I lose my muscles, right? That's why doctors want you to get out of bed quickly after having surgery. They don't want you lying flat for long periods of time because if you don't use it, you you lose it. If you don't exercise, your muscles begin to suffer. Your money, if you don't invest it, you're gonna lose it. Your mind, if you don't think, if you don't learn, if you don't le- learn to, to, to read, if you don't learn to, to be a student in life and, and, and exercise your mind and learn to use your mind, you will lose your mind. You'll, 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 be, you'll start getting duller and duller the older you get because your mind is a muscle. You must keep it exercised. You must keep it growing. If you have a talent and you refuse to sharpen it and develop it and use it, let me tell you, you will lose that talent. But guess what? The opposite is also true. If you do use it, you're gonna get even more of it. 
So if you use your muscles, what happens? They get bigger, they get stronger. If you take the little bit of money and you invest it wisely, it grows. It's true with any area of life. When you use it, it multiplies, it multiplies. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21, God says, I will equip you with all you need for doing my will. I'll equip you, you. Some of you keep thinking, I need this and that and the other thing to start doing something for God. No, you have everything you need right now to do what he's called you to do. Can you say amen? amen. Here's the question. What do you need more of? Is there anybody in the house today who need a little more energy in your life? Who here needs a little more time? Who here needs a little more money, a little more talent in your life? Here's the secret. Whatever you need more of, take the little that you've got and start using it to serve other people unselfishly. And you know what will happen? God will multiply it back to you. It's a promise. You say, well, I don't have time to serve other people. I don't have time to minister. I don't have time to be on the dream team. And do, I don't have time to do something on Sunday. I don't have time to lead a small group. I don't have time to be involved. I don't have time to get done all the things that I need to get done. Why? Listen, God never meant for you to be a selfish little cod just living for yourself all the days of your life. Why would God give you more time if you're just gonna spend it on you? It's kind of like the principle of tithing. The first 10% of all I make goes back to God. It's scriptural, it's Bible. It's a command, it's not an option. Why? Because when I give that 10% back to God, God takes the other 90% and he blesses it and makes it stretch further than it would if I had all the 100%. And I don't know about you, I'd rather have 90% blessed by God than 100% this curse. It's true with your time, your talent, anything in your life. If you don't use it, you lose it. The way you get more is by investing the little that you have. So write this down, very simple principle. The way to invest my talent is through serving others in ministry. If you don't have enough time in your life, you need to start serving because you're out of balance. You don't have enough time for serving others, you need to start serving. If your life is just all take in, take in, take in, and there's no give out, there's no outlet to serve others that Jesus loves and died for, where in your life are you doing something that's totally unselfish and unrewarded that you don't get any credit for, you don't get any money for, it's just volunteer service? Is there any area of your life where you're just volunteering service? You're just getting nothing back for what you do. If not, listen, you're out of balance. So let's recap. If I wanna invest my life, there's principles I've got to follow if I wanna make my life count. It's the principle of ownership, allocation, accountability, utilization, motivation, application. Here's the final one. Y'all still with me? Seventh principle. Oh, I'm hesitant to touch it because it's so good. It's the principle of compensation. That if I use my talent wisely, I will be rewarded. How many of you like rewards? Yeah? Here's what Jesus said. Let's go back to the story. Look what happened in the story of the talents. In verse 23, his master, help me out everybody, his master replied what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Watch this. I will put you in charge of many things. 
Then he says, come and share your master's happiness. Now watch this, because in this verse right here, we find three rewards that God gives when we use our talents in ministry and we serve others and we try to make a difference and a contribution in the world and to leave a legacy with our life. Three very quick rewards that God gives each and every one of us. The first one, write this down, is this. It's the affirmation of God. That's the first reward that we get. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, I don't care about the applause of men. I just want the applause of God. I don't care if anybody thanks me. I want God to say, well done. He says, good job, well done. That's my boy, that's my girl. I'm telling you, the affirmation of God in your life is far more important than any affirmation you could get from anybody else. So the first reward that we get is God's affirmation. Here's the second one we get, and that is God's promotion. He says, you've been faithful with a few things. Now I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. And so you get promoted. Did you know that in heaven, your responsibility that you'll be given for eternity is gonna be based on your faithfulness here in the earth? So if, if you mess up and you don't do anything with your life on this earth, why would God give you some major responsibility in eternity? If you're faithful with the few talents you have on this earth, God's gonna give you greater capacity and greater ability to serve him in eternity, in heaven. On the other hand, if you waste and you spend and you blow the few talents that you have right now all on yourself in this life, don't expect God to give you the promotion in heaven for what you're gonna do for the rest of eternity. So there's, there's the affirmation of God, there's the promotion of God, and then I love this one, and five, this is the third reward. There is the celebration of God. He says, come and share your master's happiness. God's saying, I'm smiling on you, man. It's party time. Let's celebrate together. And how many of you believe God knows how to throw a party, man? He really does. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He knows how to throw a party. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you really want to be happy? Do you really want to raise your self-esteem? Do you really want to feel like you're making a significant difference in your life? Listen to me. You need to start investing your life in serving others on a volunteer basis. Use your talent to serve God, listen, by serving others. If you do, let me tell you what happens. Watch this, this is amazing. Matthew 6 and verse 33, here's what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Watch this, and all these other things will be not subtracted from you, will be added to you. All the things that you're worried about right now, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. It doesn't say seek second. It doesn't say seek third, seek fourth, seek fifth. Finish your to-do list and then see if you have any time for ministry. It doesn't say fill up your schedule and then fulfill your schedule and see if you've got any time for unselfish service. No, no, put it first. Come somebody shout, put it first. Think of somebody else first. And God says, when you do that, guess what? I'll take care of you. You say, well, how can I do that in a practical way, pastor? How do I... How do I do that in a practical way? We've got an amazing opportunity for you. Because here at Vibrant Church, we have, an, we have an outlet, we have a system, we have an amazing opportunity for you to do exactly what I'm telling you today. It's called our dream team. Everybody say dream team. 
Right now, there are, oh, there are hundreds of people at Vibrant who serve in our dream team in so many different capacities. And we want you to be on our dream team. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't, you don't have to have your life off. None of us do. But if you love Jesus and you love other people and if the Holy Spirit touched your heart with this message, I can tell you how to get on our dream team. It's real simple. If you've got a smartphone, pull it out right now. Come on, pull it out. Don't stare at me, get your phone out. Get your phone out right now. If you've got, you got a smartphone, get it out. If you've got a dumb phone, I don't know what to tell you. If you've got a smartphone, listen to me. Our growth track is next Sunday. Listen to me, we're doing something new. We're doing growth track at the end of the second service next Sunday. It is a full lunch that we're gonna provide for you and take you through our growth track and show you how to discover your talents and your gifts and where you fit in here at Vibrant Church to use them for the glory of God. And we're gonna feed you. It's gonna be five star. It's gonna be amazing. And it's next Sunday, right after the second service. So you can come to first service like you're doing right now and you could come back to second service, I guess. Or you can hang out in the lobby and get our man. Y'all, just our Vibe Cafe, isn't it, isn't it amazing? I mean, amazing. And the people who serve in there, you could hang out or you could come to you could come to second service and just hang out afterward. And we're, we're gonna take you through our growth track, full lunch, everything right now. If you're interested in, maybe you just want some information. This does not commit you to come. If you just want some information, I want you to take your phone right now. We're taking a step out. I'm not asking you to go somewhere and ask somebody. You can do it right now. Here's what you do. I want you to text the word TEAM20 to 484848. It's on the screen. Text the word TEAM20 to 484848, Team 20. And somebody's gonna get back with you this week and answer any questions you have and get you set up for next Sunday. You see, it's one thing to say you need a ministry, but it's another thing to do it. Listen, if you walk out of here today, listen, if you walk out of this building today and you don't do anything about it, guess what? You've just wasted the last hour and a half of your life. The Bible calls us to be doers of the word not just to be hearers of it. The great author, C.T. Studd, he famously wrote this, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life and it will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Did you receive the word of God today, everybody? Did you receive that? As you remain seated, as you remain seated in this moment, would you just close your eyes all over this room? I wanna pray for you all over this room. Father, I thank you for your word. Please, no one moving around in this moment, just reverence this. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I pray, God, that you would, those, of, those in the room that are already followers of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for those that are sitting on the sideline, that today would be the day that your Holy Spirit just motivates them to say, you know what, it's time to get back in the game. I'm gonna text Team 20. The 48, 48, 48. I need to get involved. I need to get in the game. My life's too much about me. God, forgive us when we just made it all about us. God, help us to realize that we can make our life count. We matter. We're significant to you. Our value is secure in you. God, we can make our life count for all of eternity, but it's our choice. And it's all about investing ourselves. Not wasting our life, not spending our life. Investing our life. In Jesus' name, just remain in prayer right now. I'm gonna make this very quick. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're watching online, I wanna pray with you as well. Maybe you're in this room right now 
and maybe you do feel far from God. Well, my friend, if that's you, you're in the right place today because God loves you. And this is why Jesus came and this is why Jesus died and shed his blood. It was for my sin, for your sin. It was to bridge the gap between an unholy people and a holy God. God loves you that much that he sent his son to die for you. And today you don't have to feel distant from God. You're as close to him as you wanna be. And I can promise you this, you will never fulfill your potential. You will never make your life count. You will never discover and develop the gifts and talents he's given you until your life is in his hands. And only you know this morning between you and God if your life is in the hands of God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you wanna make a fresh start with God, maybe this is your time, this is your moment. Maybe this is the first time that you would come to him and receive Jesus and just commit your heart to him and say, yes, I wanna know you. Maybe, it's, maybe for you, it's a recommitment of your heart to Jesus. Either way, you feel distant from God, but he wants to be close to you. And so this is your moment for a fresh start. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not gonna embarrass you, just right between you, me, and God. I wanna pray with you. I wanna lead you in a very simple prayer. And if you'd like to be included in that prayer and say yes, I want you to lift your hand right now. Say yes, pray for me. So many people, so many of you responding, saying yes to Jesus. Thank you. Praise God for you. Church, I want us to pray for them. I want us to pray with those that raise their hand right now. Come on, all of us pray with them. Let's celebrate this moment in their life. Come on, everyone praying out loud. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I surrender my whole life completely to you. Fill me with your spirit and teach me to live for you. Thank you for a fresh start. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a big amen. Come on, a church lifts the roof off the place. Come on, we get excited when people give their life to Jesus. Listen, very quickly as you remain seated, if you prayed that prayer with me and you raised your hand, would you do something for me? Inside the seat back in front of you, there's a little connection card. Would you take it out right now? Would you quickly just fill your information out? Let us know who you are. It'll take you like 10 seconds. Just check the box that applies. I gave my life to Jesus or I recommitted my life to him, whatever it is. And you can drop that card in the offering container on your way out that the ushers are holding right in the exit ways. Just drop it in there as you leave. We wanna get in touch with you and celebrate with you and pray with you and just share some opportunities that we believe God can do some great things in your life through Vibrant Church and through. We wanna journey with you, man, and be a part of what God's doing with you. Also, this is that moment of the service that we are generous to the Lord. We have freely received, and as God's people, we freely give. And I wanna thank you, church, for being generous. And we provide multiple ways for people to give to the Lord and to return the tithe to him, to give offerings even beyond that. We find that more opportunities, it's easier for people to participate. So if you'd like to participate, we pray that you do and invest in the very thing that God cares about the most, and that's people. If you'd like to do that today, you can do it three different ways. You can use the envelopes and the seat backs in front of you. You can fill that out. You can drop it in the offering containers and the exit ways as you leave. You can also do uh, online. You can give online on our website. You can go to vibrantchurch.com giving, and it'll take you through some, some secure steps there. Or you can do what most people do, what we do, uh, is that you can text to give. You can actually text the word vibrant to 77977, and it'll send back a reply with some secure steps. Very quick, very easy. Those of you online, you can participate with those final two steps. We appreciate 
We thank you for that. We pray God's blessing over your life. God, how many believe you cannot outgive God? How many believe God will give you double for your trouble? How many believe that he will bless you abundantly? His word says it. Would you stand to your feet this morning all over this room? And I just want to pray a blessing over your life before we leave this morning. Would you just open your hands and receive this today? I just pray may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face shine on you. May he be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and may he give you peace in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Don't miss Student Takeover. Wednesday night, seven o'clock. It's gonna be amazing. We'll see you then.